everybody, and welcome to Relatably Weird. We have dubbed this month our Spooktober Spectacular. <laughs> Spooktober! <laughs> Tiffany's going to do a theme song here for us. <laughs> so, we both love Halloween. Mm-hmm. We both love spooky season and all things spooky. Absolutely. So, for the month of October, we will be putting out an episode every week. Ooh, are you ready for this? I Every am very week. ready. And each week is going to have a theme. Yeah. Something spooky. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of, you know, normally we are pretty random. Our topics typically don't cross over, but this month they will be very similar. Yes. Um, I still don't know what you're talking about. You still don't know what I'm talking about. So That's it'll right. still be a little random for us. And hopefully we're not talking about the exact same thing because that would be embarrassing. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> Well, I think we're good. It's I like think... it's like showing up to prom in the same dress. Well, we do dress alike. We do a lot. It's true. Dress alike a lot. There we go. Um. So, do you want? Do you have a teaser for your? Or do we want to? Okay, we'll start with our topic. The topic okay. for this week. We're starting out pretty cliche. We're going with ghost stories. Ooh. So, do you have a tagline for yours? Um. So this week I am going to be talking about a little girl that is terrorizing a home in a small Kansas town. Oh, Kansas. Okay. We're not in Kansas anymore. Oh, Actually, we probably will be in Kansas, but probably don't want to be in Kansas yes. for this story. Okay. Okay. So, what is yours? I'm talking about tsunami ghosts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I I want to hear I'm I'm curious about this little girl in Kansas though. So why don't you kick us off today? Okay, sure. I'll tell you about the little girl in Kansas um that is terrorizing this little small town. Well, not the whole town. I was about I, to say. Wait a minute. <laughs> this escalated. Well, however, so even though she's not terrorizing the whole town, apparently this town in Kansas called Atchison is well known for having haunted houses. I like I could have taken like two or three different houses from this town to talk about today. But this particular house is pretty famous for this ghost, for this haunting. Like they've been featured on a couple of different TV shows, like people seek this place out. Oh gosh. Yeah. So I mean it's pretty popular. Um, in fact, some people may say that it's the most haunted house in the States. Oh, Lord, I'm already out. I'm tapped out. <laughs> and, you know, you would never guess its notoriety by the outside because from the outside, it just looks like an ordinary, small, white house. Okay. Just it very, just cliche, very normal. Something you'd click on on Zillow. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I guess not right now because, I mean, nobody's living in it. So I think it's kind of, it's not well taken care of. Okay. But I mean, it's it's just a standard white house. Gotcha. Like, it's not like a spooky mansion or anything like that. So it was originally built in the late 1800s. And it was, it became the residence of Atchison's physician, uh, Dr. Charles Feeney. And, of course, you know, back in the day, there weren't hospitals. So he worked out of his home and he made house calls. And he would use the front part of the house as an office space and examination rooms. 
and then he would reside, him and his family resided upstairs. Okay. So it's a two-story house. Um, it does have a basement. We'll talk a little bit about the basement. Um, so one day, and the story varies a little bit, but one day this mother came frantically knocking on his door um, and was carrying her small six-year-old daughter, Sally. I already don't like this. <laughs> so the child had collapsed from severe abdominal pain. Um, and, the, and Dr. Feeney very quickly diagnosed her with appendicitis. He knew there was no time to delay. He had to do surgery. So, you know, he, believing that the appendix would soon burst, he started cutting on Sally. No anesthesia. Stop. None. Um... <clears throat> And, well, I say none. He, he, they did give a little anesthesia, but because of the urgency, he started cutting immediately. So oh. there wasn't enough time no, no. for the anesthesia to kick in. So, you know, Sally is just screaming bloody murder. And, unfortunately, she died on the operating table her, because her appendix broke. Bur broke? Busted? Burst. Burst. Her there appendix we go. Burst. <laughs> and sorry words and some stories vary a little bit here some say that the doctor botched the surgery some say that the appendix burst either way it's not a great situation and typically okay. from these traumatic situations you get ghost you get hauntings Right, because these spirits, it, they say that these spirits get trapped. Like it's almost like they don't even know that they're dead, which is weird. But, anyways, so she died on this operating table with her last memories being of a man who she thought was torturing her. I'm sure. Oh my gosh, this is so bad. <laughs> it is. I'm not gonna sleep. So fast forward. So it. it for years after that, I mean, people just kind of assumed that the house was haunted. Like, it's a doctor's house. I'm sure that more than one person has died there. In fact, I think there were three known deaths that happened in the house, which is not uncommon for old houses. Yeah. So, it really became famous for its hauntings around 1993. So, on New Year's Eve of 1992, this young couple who were expecting a child moves into this house. Their names are Tony and Deborah Pickman. Shortly after moving in, they started noticing some strange occurrences. This <laughs> don't, is don't why shake your head at me. <laughs> I'm, this is why I'm terrified of, like, house buying for oh, this no. reason. I know. Okay. So, the strange activity actually began in their newborn baby's room. Of course it did. Right? So, Deborah had gone in and done something in the room. Um, and she noticed that, or she had gone into their, to their new, their newborn's room and noticed that all of the dolls and stuffed animals were sitting on the floor in a circle with their hands touching. No. No, I'm yes. out. Tapped mm -hmm. out. And this was kind of like their first thing that they noticed. 
So she thought that maybe it had been her sister because her sister had come over earlier in the day to drop some stuff off. So she asked her sister, hey, did you go into the house? Were you in the baby's room? And of course, her sister was like, yeah, you know, I came over and she's like, I, yeah, I went up to the nursery. I wanted to see how you had it decorated and, and you know, whatnot. And she said, but I definitely got a creepy vibe while I was in there. But there was nothing on the floor. All of the toys were on the shelf where they were supposed to be. Nothing out of, you know, nothing out of place. Nobody else had been in the house. So Deborah picked all the toys back up, put them back on the shelves, and went downstairs. A couple minutes later, she went back upstairs, noticed that the teddy bear was lying on the floor. Burn it down. Burn it. Burn it all I, down. I, at this point, would be like, I'm out. I am out. Oh, my gosh. Tony and Deborah did not. They stayed. Okay. So, they would even notice, like, they would turn the nursery light off. And then they'd go downstairs. And by the time they made it to the bottom of the stairs, the light would be back on. Mm -mm. Their wireless phone would suddenly go dead for no reason. And then start working again. Lights would flicker on and off. Like, stereotypical haunted house type stuff starts happening. And um, even the neighbors would even ask why they left the lights on in the nursery all night. Oh, stop. Yes. No. Mm -hmm. um, and this was even after they moved the baby out of that nursery into another room. So it didn't, like, follow the baby. It had something to do it with that room. It had something to do with that room. I don't, I don't know what it was with this room. That makes me feel a little better. Right. Not much. Because it's an old house. It could have possibly been bad wiring or, you know. But... There was something about this room. However, here's the really weird thing about this situation. The Deborah and the daughter, the child, were never hurt, never really experienced anything other than like the odd like lights turning on and off, toys being out of place. Just like seeing things. Right, just seeing things. Her husband, Tony, however did not have such a pleasant experience with this ghost. Oh, no. Yeah. Tony was maliciously targeted by this ghost. And when I say maliciously targeted, I'm talking he had scratches. Uh, he heard unexplained voices. There were apparent burnt finger marks. I, don't, I never, never could find, like, the exact story behind that, but somebody, somebody did mention, like, burnt finger marks uh, there was pushing and things would just randomly like light on fire like candles see why well, i can't wrap my head around why you would not just drop and run at mm, that point right i'd be out because i mean clearly this is not a friendly ghost no i mean now deborah at this time she thought that oh this is just a a nice ghost like you know whatever not being malicious or anything and her husband's like uh i beg to differ i'd be moving so fast so one night tony comes home from work and he finds himself face to face with an apparition of a little girl <laughs> in the kitchen 
nothing happened, like nothing got broke or whatever. It's just he walked, he saw it, like he saw it. So they, there was a lot of investigation at this point. Like I think they got in touch with like a psychic. Um, they got in touch with a medium. They, there was this Kansas paranormal group that that did some investigation at the house, um, and it was discovered that Sally was not the only ghost haunting them. So, oh, right. So, there was apparently also a middle-aged woman who they think was behind the more malicious attacks. However, some oh. reports say that, that Sally, she was a friendly ghost. Like, Casper the friendly ghost. She was a friendly ghost. But, but she didn't like men. That's reasonable. Which, totally reasonable. I mean, if my last dying thoughts or memories were of a man cutting me open without anesthesia, yeah, I wouldn't like them either. I'd yeah. probably haunt nope. them too. Heck yeah. So it could go either way. She may have, Sally may have been haunting the men, or it could have been this older, middle-aged ghost. Interesting. But they don't really know who the ghost was. Like, some say that it was a relative of Dr. Feeney's. Maybe somebody who botched another surgery. It could have been another botched surgery. I don't know. Never did find a link to who this woman was. Um, but according to some accounts, um, this, there was a woman, I don't know if she, I'm assuming she lived there. I don't know at what point I could never find anything solid on this either, but apparently at some point there was a woman who did animal sacrifices in the basement. Okay. Wait. I know we're taking a little turn. We're taking a little detour. Yes. At some point there was a woman who lived in that house that did animal sacrifices in the basement oh it's quite the escalation there i know so this and you'll you'll see it if like you watch any of the documentaries or if you watch i think ghost adventures went there love ghost adventures you know, i love me some aaron <laughs> aaron if you ever listen to this we love, love you. you um but apparently they went there to this house and one of the things they do is they go down in the basement and there is a dark spot on the basement floor Mm-mm. and to me in the videos it just kind of looks like it's smudged like I, they say that it's the remnants of a pentagram that this woman had drawn on the floor i can't see a pentagram in it to me it just looks like a big dark smudge on the floor huh. so i don't know how much truth there is behind that but if there was that tends to kind of amplify the spiritual realm and the spiritual happenings. So when you first mentioned that, I was thinking like a blood spot, like this it is where of... the sacrifice happened and it happened so much. There's this big blood stain. That's in, where my mind. Went. It might have been like, they just said that it was the remnants of a pentagram. To me, it just looks like a big smudge on the floor. So mm. it might be a big blood stain just to be real. But, and I don't know that, that probably has some bearing on the intensity mm. of the hauntings of the house. Like, I mean, this house just has a bad vibe. Like anybody who goes into it tells you, like, as soon as you step inside, there's a creepy vibe about this house. I have a bad vibe from all the way over here. All right. So I believe it. Mm-hmm. 
so hundreds of people do actually visit this house every year. In fact, you can actually um, purchase tickets to tour the house. No. Mm-hmm. No. You, you want to take a road trip? Heck no. <laughs> and, um, you know, they go there. It's thrill seekers looking to find proof of Sally, of ghost, of paranormal activity. Um, and some people get what they're looking for. So some of the things that people have witnessed at the Sally house, they call it the Sally house, by the way. Video and investigative equipment stops working. She shut that down. Classic (laughs) textbook ghost haunting stuff. Right. Paranormal stuff. They shut that. Look, your video cameras will die. Your camera will die. Your flash won't work. Like, it just stops. Batteries that are fully, sorry, batteries that are full immediately get drained. Oh, no. That's I hate also that. a typical, like, paranormal thing. You see that a lot. Right. Um, objects moving. Like the toys, right? In fact, um, I think it was on Ghost Adventures, they actually had a ball out. And the ball, like, there's video of the ball moving. Oof. Yeah. Unexplained scratching or bruisings on their bodies during or after visits. See, okay, I was fine up until, like, why would you willingly go into that? I don't know. Well, and I guess it's important to note, if I didn't note before, the scratches on Tony's back Mm -hmm. were three scratches. See, that's super common, too. Well, they say that, that three scratches or three burn marks is indicative of demonic activity. Yes. So... I don't know if Sally's a friendly ghost. I don't think that Sally was the one doing it. Still, though. Oh, either just, way, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's physical touches. People experience physical touches, whether that's a push, a pull, a tug. They feel something. Some, and this one's pretty common too. Some visitors say that they experience um, random pockets of coldness. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's very common. They say that, you know, if the temperature drops, there's a spirit nearby. Um, and I found this one interesting. Trained guide dogs will refuse to enter the nursery. So, again, something about that room. Puppies are smart. They are smart. They just know. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And as far as, like, you know, confirmations, like the, like I said, there's been a lot of investigations. There's been a lot of groups that have gone out and... and Check this place out. Psychics have confirmed the presence of spirits dwelling in the house. Um, And they say that many of them have actually communicated with these ghosts or these spirits. And people who go in to visit as skeptics, they leave as believers. Well, I feel like they're targeted. (laughs) Right? Um. And, of course, you know, visits by paranormal investigators have also provided audio, video, and photographic evidence of paranormal activity in this house. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, I said earlier they've received a lot of coverage on, like, television shows. There, there is a documentary about it, and I think it's called The Sally House. Um, but, like, networks such as A&E, The Travel Channel, Discovery, Sci-Fi... Um, and then, of course, a lot of different national publications and radio stations have covered it, too. Like, it's 
pretty well known. Pretty often. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, again, the house is not currently occupied. It is open for tours, both daytime and overnight stays. Do you want to do an overnight stay? No. I'm, I was tapped out at the tour. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. Um, however, if you if you are considering for any of our listeners who are considering going to check this out, just know you have to sign a waiver. Okay, red flag. So big. Yeah, you have to sign a waiver um to be able to do even the daytime tour. What? Mhm. Because of the potential for personal injury. Um even though there haven't been any serious injuries that have been reported um since the since Tony and Deborah lived there back in like 93. Which I mean, I guess the, you know, that that was the more serious injuries, but I mean, they're still physical pushing, pulling, tugging, touching. So yeah, you have to sign a waiver before you go on this tour. I just red flagged everywhere. Mm-hmm. My brain is going red flag, red flag, <laughs> right back away. I mean, I'm all for some some good stories and for good ghosts and good spirits, you know. But you know, once things start getting physical and things start getting borderline demonic, I'm out. I'm out. See, okay, so my coworkers and I were discussing going to a haunted house. And I'm already, I'm like, no, I can't do that. Are you talking about like the haunted house with like the actors? Yeah, with the actors. And I'm already oh. sitting here going, I can't do that. Last time I did that, it did not end well. <laughs> I can't imagine going and just camping out in a house. Well, I mean. Like the Sally house. You and I went and did, you went with me and my coworkers yes. several years ago to Waverly Hills. And we did the nighttime tour. It wasn't the, um. It wasn't an overnight. It was, what, a couple of hours? An yeah, hour? I think we were in there like two hours. Yeah. And that was... Ooh. That was creepy. If you don't know about Waverly Hills, look it up. It's not too far from where we live. It's super popular. Used to be a, a tuberculosis ward. Nursing home at Nursing one home point. at one point. Supposedly, we had a great-grandfather who yes. passed away there while it was a nursing home um but yeah so we went and we did that tour that was spooky and to me it that's was. worse than a haunted house with actors like it's fascinating but it's terrifying i just don't like things like appearing out of nowhere whether it's an actor or a spirit like facts i'm also scared of punching somebody at a haunted house <laughs> Because I know, like, my knee-jerk reaction, I might actually, like, karate chop try somebody? to pop somebody in the face, and I don't want to take that risk. <laughs> I just, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that is the little girl that is terrorizing this house in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. And I say now, middle, I don't know if it's middle of nowhere, but. And now she will terrorize my nightmares. Thank you're, you. You're welcome. Okay, well. I'm actually going to start my segment out on a bit of a more serious note because I am discussing um, a massive tragedy, disaster. Um, I think you remember this. I I definitely remember 
you know how people talk about 9-11 they're like oh i remember where what i remember what classroom i was sitting in in college when i heard about this event um and it didn't even affect us so this um topic that i'm covering today is referring to the tsunami that hit japan march 11th of 2011 yes yes okay. so i just want to acknowledge that you know this this was a tragedy it really um, was. i'm going to do my best to talk about this um in the most respectful way possible um because there there were a lot of lives lost um it was very traumatic it definitely changed mm-hmm. um japan and so you know this this is a more serious topic but it is ghost related um i heard about this a long time ago and I was always fascinated by it um so I knew I had to do this one (laughs) I just knew because it it just fascinated me well in my research like going back over getting my facts together um I didn't realize that Unsolved Mysteries had covered this in one of their episodes really yes and while it's it's not a perfect episode it's only 48 minutes long so I mean there's there's a lot that happened and you're trying to cram pack it into 48 minutes. So I understand it's not a perfect episode, but it gave me chills watching it. Um, It just, I don't know. It just, it portrayed it in a different light than what I was used to seeing. You know, it's all Mm. facts and stuff. They're actually talking to people that were there. There's no, there's typically no human side to it. It's all just, this is what happened. This is what a tsunami is. This is how many people it killed. This is like just very matter of fact. Yeah. Which I do want to just very quickly for anybody who maybe doesn't know, um, March 11th, 2011, um, there was an earthquake. It was rated about a 9.0, 9.1. Yeah. Out in the Pacific Ocean. So the epicenter was about 72 kilometers away from shore. And I want to say it was like 18 miles down. I don't, it was Mm. something. not 18 miles. It was really deep. So it lasted about six minutes. And this is what caused the tsunami because the plates shifted and mm-hmm. displaced all the water. And then the waves came. Ugh. Um, Which, by the way, this is something like this is like stuff of my nightmares. Like, yeah, just being like, I mean, like we go to the Philippines. Like I like to go to the ocean. I like to mm-hmm. go to the beach. Like, that is a legit thing that's in the back of my mind is what if there is an earthquake and there's a tsunami? And yeah, because I mean, literally, it's just this wall of water. And you don't have you. a lot of time. No. Like, as soon as you start seeing those waters go, you know, you got to start you running. Go. Yeah. Okay. There was a 911 episode. Yes. Oh, that was horrible to but, watch. I mean, that. Like you said, though, you see that water going out. You better start heading as far inland as you can get, yeah. or as go high in, up. get up high. Like you gotta go. Yeah. There's not a lot of time. Mm. So this earthquake happens, and people are reeling from this earthquake. Like I said, it lasted about six minutes, and there's already the um, the tragedy of the earthquake and lives were lost in the earthquake. I see. So they did feel the earthquake on the land. Like it wasn't so far out that it wasn't felt yet. Oh, there's videos. And they even show at the beginning of this episode, you see videos that people took inside these buildings of the earthquake and it's quite unsettling. So they're, they're reeling from the earthquake and then all of a sudden the waves come. Mm. 
and the water comes. And it's actually, according to some reports, say that the water reached six miles inland. Six miles? Six miles. Like, the, and I, I didn't write it down. The waves were just, like, incredibly high. I just can't imagine the fear that people were fearing were feeling seeing this come in. Um, oh, man. And now some of these numbers vary, uh-huh. um, but just to give you a rough estimate, one of the sources that I found deaths were 19,747. There were 6,242 injured and there were 2,556 missing. Wow. Now, with a lot of tragedies, you know, the these numbers fluctuate as people are found, things are, you know, answers are had, but mm-hmm. these are just some rough estimates. But that is a huge number of people. Yeah. So, the area I'm going to focus on, the area that um, Unsolved Mysteries talks about the most is, and let me make sure I get this right, um, the Tohoku region. I apologize if I said that wrong. Um, and the area they're talking about, um, Ishinomaka, I'm sorry, Ishinomaki. Mm-hmm. I'm s- still saying that wrong. Um, but they're talking to these people that lived there. This is one of the areas that was um, greatly affected by the tsunami. And so mm. they're, they've talked to a couple people. And again, it's a 48 minute episode. Yeah. There are thousands and thousands of stories to be told. Oh, I'm sure. You know, you, you can't fit them all in. So this is what really got me. Like, I was kind of doing some chores around the house. I had this going in the background. Um, you do have to read subtitles. Um, so, you know, I was kind of mm-hmm. reading the subtitles and working. But this made me, like, stop in my tracks. Um, there was a gentleman on screen, and he was talking about looking for his family, mm. specifically his kids oh no yes and he talks about coming across this bamboo forest and he talks about how the bamboo was you know all disturbed and like laid over and he found he could see his eldest daughter laying over a bamboo no he talked about how beautiful she looked and there there wasn't a single cut on her face but like she was gone she was deceased oh man so then you know they're trying to clean up he's still searching for his family and somebody hollers like hey i found the baby so he goes running over and he gets the dirt and stuff wiped off and he realizes he's holding his baby girl Ugh. this story stop i know it stopped me dead in my tracks um there's another gentleman on there he talks about he was in um his office building and he Uh talks about getting swept out of the building oh and trying to get to the surface obviously he survived but he said you know the next morning i learned 34 of my coworkers had deceased or were deceased how do you oh my like i'm just trying to wrap my head around this like because you know there's that whole survivor's guilt thing how do you process the fact that right. you made it out, you survived that tsunami, mm-hmm. but your coworkers didn't? Right. The people that sat next to you didn't. Like, right. And the death toll was just, wow. just horrible. And you've got these people who, who lost tons of people that were near and dear to them. And it just, 
Oh my gosh. And then there was one woman on there. She was just talking about the loss. She was like, you know, this used to be our community. My home was right here. These were my neighbors. And she said, now that, you know, there's nothing. It's nothing now. And so these people not only lost their loved ones, but they lost their homes, their communities. Um, They even show at the end of the episode um, some recovered family albums with all the photos and like how water damaged they are oh so these God. people lost everything right just complete utter destruction so there's this tragic event mm-hmm. which as we know tends to lead to as you were talking trauma trauma leads to ghosts leads, leads to, to ghosts. spirits yes so um these ghost stories start emerging now, in this episode, there there's a um, professor. He's obviously a skeptic. They're talking to this monk who obviously believes in the spirit world. So you're getting kind of both sides. It's, right. it's very fascinating to watch. But um, they share some of the ghost stories. And again, thousands and thousands of stories. They've narrowed it down to a few. Uh, they talk about a mother who lost her son. Mm. Um, but they kept everything in place. So, like, all of his toys were in the home. And she would tell how this one particular toy, it was her son's favorite toy. It had a manual switch on it. And yet, somehow, it would start playing randomly. Making the sounds that, you know, all kid toys make. Which, I'm sorry, but kid toys creep me out anyways. Mm-hmm. And this toy would just play. And she took that as a sign of, you know, my, my son is here. Like, this is my son. Um, yeah, it, this is all hard to talk about just because I can't imagine the trauma right. that people had to deal with. There were reports coming out of, you know, you'd see people on the streets and they would look lost. Oh. And this one lady in the documentary she's actually talking about you know she's always been sensitive to ghosts and she said i could tell that they were ghosts that they were lost souls yeah so she would pull up and talk to them and they were lost and asking directions or whatever and she said you know i told them the truth i had to tell them you are dead oh man you are no longer here Mm -mm. and i oh my gosh i have Mm. goosebumps just thinking about it um. The, okay, this one too. Um, there were a couple stories about knocks on doors at night, and when you open it, there is somebody standing there that is just completely drenched in water. Mm-mm. And then they go away. Like nope. you would offer them clothes, or you would go get them clothes, and then they just go. They'd be gone. They'd be gone. And not in every case, but in some of the cases. So there, you've got all these stories emerging. Just in massive amounts. The skeptic in this episode said the ones that were most believable to him were the ones about the cab drivers. And this is what first got me onto this topic because I had heard in passing a couple of these stories. Mm -hmm. But you've got, imagine you're a cab driver, okay? And you pick somebody up and they want to go. to the area that was destroyed. Like this, they, that's where they want to go. Okay, cool. You drive. As soon as you get there, 
you turn to the back seat, they're gone. Uh Uh-uh. See, that kind of stuff freaks me out because I kid you not, Kate, I read a book in, I think I was in third grade. I couldn't tell you the name of the book, but I was obsessed with like ghost stories and stuff. And it was a collection of ghost stories. And there was a story about, you know, driving down the road and you looked in your rearview mirror and there was a ghost in the backseat. And to this day, it freaks me out. I think I remember that. There are certain areas that I drive through that I get the heebie-jeebies and I'm like, don't look in your rearview mirror. Don't look in the rearview mirror. There's going to be somebody back there. But this is almost the opposite. They think they're picking picking somebody up. Mm. Uh -uh. And. Nope. So then you've got these cab drivers that have meters running with no explanation. And it's not just one or two cab drivers. It's multiple cab drivers reporting like, hey, I picked up this person. They wanted to go um, to the epicenter. Like they, they wanted this ride. And by the time we got there, they're gone. So a lot of cab drivers, I guess kind of out of, it was like a respect thing. Like out of respect for those lost souls, um, would start paying the tolls for them or the fares for them, really out of their own pocket because it's kind of this um, like a respect thing. Like you're kind of helping them. Well, in Japan's very big about like respect and respecting elders and respecting the deceased, and like yeah. it's just a very different culture than here. Yeah, and the view of the spiritual world is a little bit different than yes. over here. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they would even say, like, we would welcome them into our cabs. Huh. It, it, I don't, it's almost like, and this is just me. This is not from any of my reading or the video. Right. But for me, it's almost like it's healing for, for both. Well, those yeah. that are here and those who are gone. Like, hmm. you are helping them pass on. You're helping them get home. And you're dealing with your own trauma in the meantime. So it just, it really caught my attention about these cab drivers because they're, they're, I cannot reason why somebody would drive a long distance and pay this money out of their pocket just to say, oh, I picked up a ghost. Like, right. That does, to me, doesn't make sense unless it truly happened. And the fact that it's multiple cab drivers, Hmm. um, just, oh. So there, there is the monk that I talked about, and he does go into a lot of detail about this woman that was brought to him who was possessed with a bunch of these ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very fascinating. I'm not going to dive into that, um, but he talks about how he helped her, the conversations he had with these ghosts. Um, there was one that really got me. It was a little girl, Aww. and she was feeling guilt because she let go of her and her brother were running oh no and somewhere in the mix she let go of her brother's hand and so she just wanted to apologize to her mother for letting go of her brother so that's where i think like oh that pulls on the heartstrings yeah and and (sighs) so there's this debate over like why are there so many ghost stories emerging from this event when there have been other very traumatic events in the history of Japan, why are there so many ghost stories centered around this one? And why this particular region? You know, some people say, well, this region was, it's more rural. It's not as industrialized. So 
people are more open to ghosts. It, it's still a possibility. They're welcoming of it. So that was like one explanation that's kind of offered up in this documentary. Right. Which I get. Yeah. Like that makes I can rationalize that. I can that. rationalize that, yeah. Um and people just want to know, like, what what is it? You know, are we witnessing mass hallucinations from this like shared survivor's guilt which you were talking about earlier yes you know so everybody was touched by this in this area so does everybody have survivor's guilt and it's causing them to see these things you know that's a possibility especially like you said a high concentration of people that you know well, I made it out, but my neighbors didn't. Or, yeah. you know, half of my family is gone. Or there's a large number of people in that concentrated area that have survivor's yeah. guilt. So it would make sense that they would have similar hallucinations. Like Absolutely. That, that is a plausible that. explanation to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I obviously believe in ghosts and the spirit world. Oh, same. But from a scientific point, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, okay, do all these people have PTSD? This is how they're dealing with it. This is how their brain is processing the trauma. Or is it truly just there are these lost souls that died in a very quick, very traumatic way, and they're just lost? Hmm. Um, I wish that the episode that, I, that I'm talking about had, I don't know, offered a little more insight on that. Yeah. Um. It's still a good, like, I suggest anybody watch it. Like, it's still mm-hmm. good. Right. It is lacking in some things, but again, it's a 48-minute episode. You're talking about one of the most traumatic <laughs> events. That's a really short amount of time yeah. to cover all of that. I mean, because like you said, it's kind of like, well, I guess what we would equate to like 9-11, where there was a massive loss of life at one time. And like you said, there's all these stories. I mean, because it doesn't matter how many different documentaries I watch on 9-11 it seems like there's always at least a new story that i haven't heard yeah. before yeah always mm. and just the massive amount of people that were lost with this and um you know there are still this was just what 10 years ago there yeah. are still people mourning and going to these memorial sites and there are still people out there that don't have answers and you know it makes sense to me that there would be heightened spiritual activity. Mm-hmm. But it just, so I know this was a more serious topic, not your typical like haunting. But it, I mean, it still is a haunting because I mean, there's all these spirits or if you want to call them hallucinations, that's a, that's a lot of spiritual activity going yeah. on in one spot. And you know, after this, of course, they had the earthquake, they had the tsunami, and then they had the Fukushima uh, nuclear plant, oh, which man. was like the biggest nuclear disaster yeah. since Chernobyl. So, I mean, it was like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> traumatic event after traumatic event. Mm. Um, that's hard to recover from, I think, like as a society. I mean, you move on, you move forward, but like the trauma's still there. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it was a very tragic experience but the ghost stories that came out of this were very fascinating to me so i thought i would share that with you to kick off our spooktacular season great now i have to drive home 
after this and worry about there being somebody in my back seat. Well, I'm terrified of like some of Eli's toys turning on in the middle of the night now. Oh, I know. I know. If I wake up and and his stuffed animals are in a circle in the living room, <laughs> I I'm moving out. <laughs> I'm moving out. I'm done. I will not come back here. Mm. It's not happening. I mean, you could just hang out with the man that's around Derby Hat. You could blame it on him. He's not as creepy as children's toys doing stuff they're not supposed to. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that you're right. is like ultimate creep level for me. When you get little kitty ghosts going on mm-hmm. and they're messing with their little kitty toys and stuff mm-hmm. starts playing. No, thank you. <laughs> so. I think that wraps up our ghost portion. Now that we are both thoroughly spooked. Why did we, I just got to, we decided to start recording late at night and I'm starting to really regret our decision. Especially this month. Like, Especially this month. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I love all things spooky and weird and crazy, but sometimes I freak myself out. I know my limitations. I, I spook myself out sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I tell them at work, I was like, I know these things about me. I know I'm a wimp. I've I've accepted it. It's mm-hmm. just who I am. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully you all will have better luck sleeping tonight than we will. I will not be Googling this alley house. But we also hope you will join us next week um, where we will be talking about cryptids. Yes. So join us next week. We're going to talk about some spooky creatures that might be stalking around in your backyard. I already know what I'm talking about. Oh, I do too. Oh, I'm so excited. All right. Well, everybody have a good week and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.